This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning, Journey Church. And I hope you see your place in this story today and that you will be able to know what God is doing in our world today as well as what he's done in the past and then especially what he's done or what he's going to be doing in the future. And it all relates to what, we're been, what we've been celebrating for this past month. And it's not just now, but it's all people of all time always looking for what God has been doing Right from the very beginning, my story is something, I'd say wonderful, wouldn't you? (laughs) My mother put me in a basket, floated me down the Nile, and Pharaoh's daughter herself pulled me out of the Nile and named me Moses. Moses in Egyptian, or Moshe in Hebrew. But my story really began when I was in the desert tending sheep. And all of a sudden, I was looking out, and this is the desert. It's always hot, and it's not really unusual to see fires, bushes that all of a sudden sprout fire. But I saw this bush that it was burning, but it wasn't burning up. It kept burning. And I went over to see what it was, and there I met God. God spoke to me, and God gave me a mission. One of the most important missions, I think, of all time because it demonstrates for us what God wanted us to do, what God has been doing in our world all along. He told me to go to Egypt and to bring his people out of slavery. And with many miracles, with God's mighty hand, with his mighty arm, his strong arm, he brought us out of Egypt with all the miracles. And in fact, with this very rod, the rod of God, many times I would lift this rod up and God performed a miracle. And finally, the last miracle came, and we were about to cross the Red Sea, and I lifted the rod up, and God parted the waters, and we walked across on dry land. It was amazing. I can't tell you how magnificent it was for all of us to see the mighty power of God at work for us. But there was a reason that God was doing that. And maybe we didn't realize it. It, it, We wanted out of slavery. But it was more than that. God wanted to bring us to himself, and he did that. He brought us to Mount Sinai, the place that we saw where God lived. We came to the mountain, and we saw the very essence of God. The mountain shook like an earthquake. There was smoke. The wind was always blowing. Clouds were circling around. It was a terrifying sight, really. It was like being near a volcano, although there wasn't a volcano there. It was just a manifestation of the presence of God. And God told us, don't let anyone touch the mountain, because if anyone touches the mountain, they will die. We couldn't come close to it. But God made a special vision and called me to come up the mountain to meet with him face to face. Well, I say that, and I think you understand the expression, but I didn't really see God's face. I saw his glory. I saw his presence, his, his, his majesty, his power, how great it was. But no one can see God's face and live. 
at least not since the very beginning. You know, there was the time that their names were Adam and Eve, and they met with God in the garden that he had planted for them. They lived in the garden, and every afternoon God came and walked with them in the garden, and they communed with God. But they blew it, and they couldn't be in God's presence anymore. And since that time, God has tried to make a way for us to come back into His presence. And that's what He was doing with us, with me and the Israelites back then in the desert. He was trying to make a way where He could come and live in our midst. And so He called me up the mountain so that He could give me His laws, His Ten Commandments. He, he took two stone tablets and wrote with the very, His own very finger and wrote out the commandments. He gave me all the kinds of rituals that we should be doing. He told me how we should be living, how to keep ourselves pure. And most of all, he gave me instructions for building what we call the tabernacle. Now, I know that's a fancy word, and really all it means is tent. God showed us how to build the tent that he would come and live in. We were all living in tents, but this was to be God's tent. It was to be right in the middle of the camp. And all the people would be camped around it, but right there in the middle would be the very presence, the very glory of God, which we could see. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God living in the midst of our camp. There was a fence going around the outside of this so that nobody could actually just rush in. There was the, the inner courtyard where we would come and offer our sacrifices. But then there was actually the tent itself. And inside this tent, only the priests could go. There were two parts of this tent, the holy place and the holy of holies. In the holy place, the priests would go every day to, make their, uh, to do their duties, to light the candles, to replace the showbread, to do whatever else needed to be done inside the holy place. But in the holy of holies, no one was to go except once a year the high priest would go because that represented the very presence of God and the high priest would come before God to make atonement for the sins of the people. This is what was necessary in order to keep God <laughs> separate from the people so that he could actually live with us. While I was up there on the mountain... God gave me all these laws. He gave me all of these instructions. And the whole problem really comes down to this. Sin separates us from God. That's why we needed those things. That's why we needed the fence. That's why we needed the laws. So that we could actually come into God's presence. But what God wanted to do was to come and dwell with us and so he made a way for us. He made a covenant with us that we might experience his very presence and his power at work right in the midst of the camp. I came down from the mountain, and as I was coming down, I started to hear the cries right away. I'd been gone a long time, and the people had grown restless. And they started doing things that they knew they shouldn't have been doing. Yes, there was sin in the camp. They blew it again. They had made themselves a golden calf and started to bow down and worship it. 
Oh, I was mad. <laughs> I can't tell you how angry I was that here we were at the very time of completing everything that God had ever wanted to do. And the people blew it. Oh, you know what I did. I, I'm sure you've seen it in the movies at least. I broke the stone tablets. And I regret that. But I was angry. And it was like they were already broken anyway because the people were already violating the laws. I took that golden calf and crushed it up, burned it into the fire, trying to get rid of it, trying to get rid of their sin. And then God called me up to meet with him again. And I went to meet with God and, and God said, he couldn't come with us anymore. After this, there was no way. Because if he did, the people would, they would face the ultimate judgment right then and there. And I pleaded with God. I begged him, please, God, you've got to. You, you've brought us this far. You can't have delivered us from Egypt with all those mighty miracles to bring us to this desert, to let us see the place on earth where, we, where you set your foot and then to come away from us. I pleaded with him. I begged him. And finally, God said, we'll work it out. And I asked one more thing of God then. Maybe I was a little too bold. But I said, Lord, let me see your glory. And here's God's answer to me. I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. But you cannot see my face, for no one can see my face and live. And so God actually set a date, and I went back up the mountain on that day, and he put me in a place in the rock, and he covered me with his hand, and he walked before me, but I couldn't see him. But as he walked before me, he proclaimed these words, the Lord passed before me and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity, or keeping steadfast love to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Those were the words that God spoke. But not just words. God was sharing with me His very nature, His character, His essence. These are the words that tell us who God is. And I want you especially to notice those two words, steadfast love and faithfulness. It's talking about how God relates to us. And especially to say that God always keeps his promises. Well, there's more to that story. But to connect it to our story, I want to, to share something now that comes from the Gospel of John. John, a friend of mine, wrote this book, and I, your pastor's telling me that you've been in this book for the past few weeks. John chapter 1. And you might notice right away that what John has done here is to borrow from my words, from my book, Genesis. And John took my words and applied them to what God was doing in John's time. 
My words were, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke and creation came into being. Day by day, element by element. It was the power of God's spoken word that brought it about. God, John took my words and he applied them in a new way. In the beginning was the Word, and through Him all things came into being. What came into being through Him was life, and the life was the light of the people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness could not resist it. Now, when John was writing that, he chose those words very intentionally. He had something that he wanted to share with us. And especially that last phrase, the darkness could not resist it. He wanted us to see something very special there. Now maybe if you read the King James Version, it says, the darkness could not comprehend it. It did not understand. And that's in a way to say that somehow the, the darkness just doesn't get it. <laughs> it doesn't understand what it is. It can't really come to terms with what the light is. That's one way of seeing that. Another way is to say that there is nothing that can stand against the light. There is no way to resist the light. It has no power in itself. Some of your movies, especially that one where they talk about all the interstellar warfare, they talk about the good side and the bad side, the light side and the dark side, as if they're equal in power. They are not equal in power. The darkness has no power. When you walk into a dark room, you don't have to fight the darkness. All you have to do is turn on the light, and the darkness is gone. Jesus came to shine the light in our world. He is the light that enlightens every person. And he is coming into our world as we celebrate for this Christmas. John brings that home in verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14, where he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, just like God spoke creation into being, God spoke again in Jesus. His message is Jesus. His Word to us is Jesus. The power of God, the presence of God in that Word is Jesus. And John tells us, again, he chose his words very carefully. The Word became flesh. He could have said he became a, a man. That would have been enough. The Word became a man. That says a lot. He became like us. He lived among us. But he said flesh because flesh is something tangible, something substantive. You can touch it. You know that it's solid. For me, it was simply the thunder, the lightning, the earthquake that we called the presence of God. But in Jesus, we touch him. We see his face. 
we look at him and we know that it is God. And then we see God's very character coming through Jesus in those two words again. Through Moses, the law was given. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Now what it's hard to see here is that we've gone from Hebrew to Greek to Latin to English. But when John uses those words, grace and truth, he used the same words that God used to me, his steadfast love and faithfulness. The very essence of God, the very character of God, the way God comes to us and keeps all of his promises, that's who God is. John goes on to say, No one at any time has ever seen God, but God, the only begotten, the one who is in the Father's heart, that one has made him known. You see what John is saying is when we look at Jesus, we see the face of God. We see God himself, and we are face to face with God. There are no barriers. Nothing can keep us away anymore. Jesus has come to open the way for us to see God. Oh, but the story's not finished. It won't be finished for who knows how long. The story goes on. The story continues and it goes from generation to generation, from your parents to you, from you to your children, and on and on through all time till we come to the end of the story recorded for us in another book by John, the book of the Revelation. At the end of the book, John shares two verses with us. First in chapter 21, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with the people. The tabernacle. Jesus came to live among us. He is that tabernacle. When John said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that word for dwelt is the same word for tabernacle. He made his tent with us, is what John was saying. And here he says it again, the tabernacle of God is with us, with the people. And they will be his people, and God himself will be in the midst of them. The next chapter, the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, John goes on to say, there will be no more light. There will be no more night. And they will have no need of the light of a lamp or the sun. For the Lord God will shine upon them. And they will rule forever and ever. Do you see what God is doing? Do you see the point of what God has been doing from the very beginning? It is so that God himself can come and live among us. God is with us in Jesus. When Jesus Christ came into this world, Emmanuel, God is with us. God himself is with us. What do you face in your life? Maybe there are troubles that you're going through. I know some of you have some health issues. I know some of you have some problems with family members. Things that you are so concerned about because you see them, maybe 
they're ruining their own lives by the things that they are doing. Or maybe just there's, there's something that they're facing that is so hard, so overwhelming. But God is with us. And God's power is in our midst. God's presence alone brings us joy and peace and love. He is with us through those things that we face, no matter what they might be. Through the good times, through the troubles that we face, God is with us. Whether it's at work, in your relationships, in trouble that you might face, in questions that you might have, in the fears that we sometimes carry about making ends meet or about what we're going to do in the future, whatever it might be. So what do we do because of this? I want to give you two things today, two things that God calls us to do. The first comes from 1 John, and a little letter that John wrote. And he starts out by saying, God is light. This is the message we have heard from Jesus, and we proclaim to you, God is light. And in him there is no darkness, no darkness at all. So therefore, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from every sin. So live in the light. Don't blow it. <laughs> God's presence is with us. Walk in the light as God is light and let it shine in your life through whatever situation you face, through whatever thing that may cause you doubt and despair. Let God's light shine in your life. And then second, share that light. Jesus himself tells us in Matthew chapter 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and yet give glory to your Father in heaven. And Jesus said that in such a very powerful way. In other words, that we do something so that people know that it's not us doing them. They don't look at us, but they know that what we have done brings glory to God. We're not honoring ourselves. We're honoring God. So that when they look at the things that we have done, when they look at us, they see the light shining from us, the light of God shining through us. You know, when I came down from the mountain... My face shone so much that the people were afraid of me. And there was no light in me, but my face had become just reflecting God's glory. And I had to put a veil on my face so that people wouldn't be afraid. You see, that's the same thing that we do now, is that we live our lives so that people can see the light of God shining in our faces, shining through our lives, shining upon them and giving them hope 
and courage as well. Daniel's going to come back and lead us in a closing song. And as he does, I'd like to do something a little different today. Uh, in front of you is a connect card in the seat back in front of you. And typically we say I'd like to get one of these from every family, one, one for every family. But today I'd like everybody here to take a card and put two things on it. You can also add prayer requests if you want to or anything else that you might want to put on that card about your involvement here at Journey. But I'd also like for you to add these two things. If you just reach in front of that, in the seat back in front of you, take a card and a pen. And the first thing, what is it that you hope for for Christmas and for next year? What is it that you would ask of God? Maybe it's something of a, about a trouble that you're facing. Or maybe it's something that you say, I want to reach out and claim this on behalf of God. Right? Whatever that is, whatever kind of a request that you might have of God, what do you hope for for Christmas? And write that on that card. And secondly, there is a person in your life that needs light. Write the name of that person on that card as well. Who is that person? that can see the reflection of God's glory in your life. Someone that needs something and that you can just shed a little light upon their life. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness, your faithfulness to us, and the plan that you have provided to bring us back to you. Help us, Father, to see your way and to follow it. Empower us, Lord, to walk in your light and to reflect your light to all those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.